0: I uh, sitting at home eating a ham sandwich, minding <laughs> my own business, getting ready to watch a ball game that, well, I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> Doctor Jacobs calls. It's always fun to see his name on your caller ID, <laughs> and uh, he asked me if I'd take this morning's service. So I said yes, and then I did what every mature spirit-filled Christian believer would do, I panicked. <laughs> and I said, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. <laughs> so that's, you know, uh, you know, the Word says we should be instant in season and out of season, but this sure was a short season. <laughs> so, so. so I go to the Word, and I'm looking around. I'm thinking, Lord, I need some help here. And uh, so it I read Joshua 10, 8, and it's kind of funny. It says, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I'm really not intimidated by you guys. But I have given them into your hand. So for at least, I don't know, we might get to McDonald's early, but at least for 30 minutes, the Lord has given me and you are into my hand. And then it says, not one of them will be able to withstand you. <laughs> Now, when I read that, I, I read it, not one of them will be able to stand you. <laughs> so, I hope that's not the case. But, <laughs> but anyway. Well, Pastor Jordan's been preaching a, a series on um, passion or or pressure. And another way you could word that is, are you doing what you're doing out of love, or are you doing it out of obligation? That's, a, that's another way of, of saying that. So... We need to ask ourselves, you know, what are, our, what are our motivations? Why do you come to this church? Why do you mow the yard? Why do you work in the ministry of helps? Why, do you, uh, why are you an usher? You know, the, the word tells us in Corinthians when it's referring, uh, referring to the Lord's Supper is that we should examine ourselves. You know, anytime God tells us to examine ourselves or, or anything like that, it's to include us. It's not to exclude us. The devil will always try to condemn you, give you condemning thoughts. But God, the Spirit of God convicts you. He doesn't condemn you. So I hope you hear my heart as we go through this. Actually, you know, I don't have a great big file of sermons. I could have just pulled one out <laughs> and uh, worked on that. But actually, this is something that our life group talked about last Tuesday. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about examining ourselves. You know, it's easy to slip into doing things out of obligation, you know, it's, okay, it's, it's my day to usher over here, or, you know, it's my day to work in preschool. And it's easy to, to, to slip into doing things out of obligation, but one of the problems with that is if you're just doing it out of obligation, you're going to get weary of doing it. Yes. You, and, uh, Romans thirteen eleven. I think uh, someone over Generation Church posted this on Facebook. Uh, there are some good things on Facebook. Uh, anyway, he posted, uh, posted this verse uh, romans thirteen eleven and i 've got scriptures written down here, mainly because i don 't want to embarrass myself by not being able to try to find them in my Bible at the right moment <laughs> and i got different uh, translations and stuff, so just try to follow along. I hope you 've got a pencil on a pencil a uh, pencil on a piece of paper, but romans thirteen eleven says, Make sure that you don 't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day by day obligations.' that you lose track of time and doze off, oblivious to God. So if we do things just simply out of obligation, simply because we're on the schedule, simply because it's Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and we're supposed to be at church, simply because this is what we're supposed to do for our families or simply because it's time to check in at work and, and put your time in at work, it's easy to doze off and get in that little rut. You know, they say a rut is just a grave with the ends kicked out. (laughs) so it's easy just to get into a rut and just do the things you do and just go through the day and you become oblivious to the things of God Um, I'll give you an example Um, of course most people know Michael you know my son and uh, you know life doesn't always go as you plan you know and I wasn't planning on still giving baths when I was 62 years old (laughs) so one one morning I was sitting there and I, I was giving him a bath and I was grumpy, and I was complaining, and I'm like, you know, it's just something you got to do, but you do it, you know. And so I had slipped over into getting into doing it as an obligation rather than doing it out of love. And I was sitting there and kind of complaining to myself, and the Lord says, inasmuch as you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. So all of a sudden, I mean, I don't want to sound freaky or anything, I was giving Jesus a bath. <laughs> I wasn't just washing feet. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's just a, ch- a slight change in your attitude. Are you doing that out obligation? Or are you doing it just because, out of love, you know? And, and like Pastor George has been talking about passion or pressure, or as I say, love or obligation. You know, the devil has a lot of uh, plans. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, and this is in the God's Word translation, He says, I don't want Satan to outwit us. After all, we're not ignorant about Satan's scheming. And then uh, one of his schemes is is to wear wear us out. And like I said, once you're doing something just strictly out of obligation, even if it's reading the Bible, or even if it's praying, or even if it's what you call worship, if you're just doing it out of an obligation, you're going to get wore out. Uh, Daniel seven twenty five 25 had, was interesting. It, it's talking about the devil. It said, he shall speak great words against the Most High, and he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. So if you don't have any passion, you're going to get wore out. Yeah. But, but real passion, real love for, for God, and real love for your brothers and sisters, and real love for the lost and dying in the world is going to give you strength when you operate out of love. Ephesians uh, three sixteen 16 and 17, I hope I'm not going too fast because I'm trying to drag this out actually, but <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Ephesians three sixteen and 17 says, in the new living, I pray from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So see, there's a there's a there's a connection there between doing things out of love and having strength. And I know Miss Marcia, for example, she's always doing something. You can tell she's joyful to do it, and I don't know where she gets the strength to do everything that she does. You know, but she and Brother Chad too, he's always pitching in, always helping, always willing to do whatever he's asked to do. And you could tell that they're doing it out of a love for this body, out of a love for Jesus, and, you know, just, they're, they're working out of love, so they have the strength to do those things that they need to do. And then John 15, verse 5, in the message says, I am the vine and you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation is intimate and organic. The harvest is sure to be abundant. So, see, the fruit that we desire comes out of an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, and then he adds, Separate it, you can't produce a thing." <laughs> so that kind of puts it in balance. You know, we have a choice: are we gonna uh, are we gonna operate out of an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, or are we just going to do things out of obligation? Uh, there's a I don't know if y'all have ever heard of God TV. It's on some channels. Uh, anyway, let me get a drink. At least my bottle don't squeak like yours. (laughs) (laughs) Fiji water. (laughs) Anyway, Wendy and and her husband had founded a um, TV station called God TV. And she has this book and she talks about one time that the Lord visited her and this is what he spoke to her. And I think it can apply to all of us. It says, Dearly beloved, I see you are so worn down with the cares and the pressures of each day that you have almost lost sight of my hand upon you. Oh, beloved, as you enter the end of the age, so shall the pressure increase. So if you're sitting around hoping that the pressures are going to decrease, uh, you're thinking wrong. The pressures are going to increase. But but we can deal with it, and she, and she talks about it. It says, uh, so shall your need for times of refreshing become more desperate. We need to have a desperation for God. Do we have the desperation we used to have? Was there ever a time in your life when you were more desperate for God than you are right now? These are times and seasons when we need to have a real desperation for God. Um, It says, apart from me, you are able to do nothing. In your own strength and your own power, you'll be continually frustrated and unable to accomplish all you have need of. For it's only only in a vital, continual union with me as the source of your life that you shall, in these end times, be able to survive. So I'm drawing you to a place where I will be your very breath, where communion with me will be your very reason for existence each day, where nothing less will sustain you. I'm drawing you to a deeper place in the Spirit, where your need for my presence will be so consuming that unless you draw close to me, the cares and stresses of life, even my call upon you, will overwhelm you. For you see, beloved, I, I call you to abide in me. The Father and I seek for those in, in these times with whom we can make our abode. You know, so many, I spent so many years in my Christian life trying to uh, relate to God, to, you know, God, I want to fellowship with God, I want to fellowship, and that's, that's a good thing. But years later, I realized he wants to fellowship with me. You know, he, he desires to fellowship with me. And, and boy, if that, don't, if that don't set your, how's that go? If that don't set you on fire, your wood's wet. <laughs> 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 so, anyway, he, uh, he wants us to draw to a deeper place of spirit where your need for my presence will be so consuming that unless you draw close to me, the cares and stresses, even of my call upon your life, will overwhelm me. For you see, beloved, I call you to abide in me. The Father and I are seeking for those in in these times with whom we can make our abode. We seek worshipers in spirit and in truth. We seek those who hunger for our fellowship. We seek those who thirst for our presence. And through these ones, see, where is your strength coming from? Where is your desire for fruit coming from? He says, and through these ones, the ones that desire have fellowship with him the ones that so desire to have his presence in their lives it's through these ones that this, through this communion that our presence overflow through my body and the greater works prophesied so shall our life manifest in greater miracles in greater healings in greater exploits in greater evangelism in greater conviction of sin that has ever been released upon the earth so come my child come you who are weary come to me For I'm your rest, I'm your refreshing, I'm your anointing. It's him. It's all about him. And as we spend time in his presence, and and, and that's one of the things that, that we have to be really cautious about when you're just doing things out of obligation. You're just doing it because that's what you're supposed to be doing. You lose that. You lose that desire for his presence and for his anointings in your life. And, um, <clears throat> you know, Father has such a desire for an intimate relationship with him that he gave his best. <laughs> I mean, he gave his best so that we could have his best. And um, if you'll turn to Revelation 2, uh, Pastor Jordan preached on this a while back. I'm going to read out of con- Temporary English version, but hopefully you can follow along. Uh, Revelation 2, verse 2. I brought my Bible up. I was, I was reminded when Dr. Dufresne first came here, we had been taught the word and taught the word and taught the word, and Dr. Dufresne comes in. It might have been the first time he was ever here. He laid the Bible on the pulpit, never opened it up. We all freaked out. <laughs> and he ministered in the Holy Ghost, you know. So there's a balance there. But I, I bring my—I got all my scriptures written out. But I bring my Bible up just so y'all think I'm spiritual or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I appreciate—I appreciate everybody in this body. And I was talking to Steve back here in the hallway before I came in, and you know, he has that gift of exhortation. <laughs> he says, <laughs> and I was just telling him about, you know. I got called yesterday at 1130, and and Dr. Jacobs wanted me to take the service this morning. He said, well, brother, you got a lot in you, and some of it spiritual. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's exhortation or not. (laughs) But anyway, Uh, Revelation 2, uh, verses 2 through 5, and Pastor Jordan talked about this a couple weeks ago. He said, I know everything you've done, including your hard work. And how you've endured. We've we've got a lot of people around here who's done hard work and have endured. I know you won't put up with anyone who is evil. When some people pretended to be apostles, you tested them and found out that they were liars. You have endured and gone through hard times because of me. Some of us, because we go to this church, have kind of lost contact with family members. Some of us have lost friends because we go to this church. And Jesus is commending the church and this is the church in Ephesus. He's commending them because they went through those hard times and they they stayed with it. Yeah. How many times have we heard that? Stay with it, <laughs> but I do have something against you. I don't like butts in the Bible, <laughs> but God's butt's bigger than my butt, so <laughs> Wait a minute, that didn't sound right either <laughs> Can you erase that? (laughs) I don't even know where to go from there. (laughs) Anyway, he says, but I do have something against you, and this is it. You don't have as much love as you used to have. Think about where you've fallen from, and then turn back and do as you did at first. You know, do we have the passion we had when we first got saved? I know when I got first saved, first got saved, I almost got excommunicated from my my family because I would not shut up about what Jesus has done for me. You know, I talked to everybody, every situation. You know, the Bible says we should have, uh, they have zeal without knowledge. I had zeal with no knowledge. And I I turned a lot of people off to Jesus, actually, but (laughs) just because I was so forceful with what I was saying. But we also have to be careful that we don't have a lot of knowledge and not have any zeal. So there has to be a balance there. And so we have to ask ourselves, when we do things out of obligation, we might have uh, a lot of knowledge. But are we doing it out of a zeal, out of a love for God? So, uh, like I said, over in 1 Corinthians 11, 28, talking to talking uh, about the Lord's Supper, it says, Examine your motives, test your heart, and come to this holy meal in all. Brother Les has done a wonderful job taking up the Lord's Supper and explaining to us what's all involved there. Is that just a religious ceremony to us? Is that just an obligation we do every third Sunday of the month? Or does it really mean something intimate to us, that we're partaking of the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? And then um, if you'll turn to Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, Corinthians tells us to examine ourselves, but Psalms 139 tells us to let God examine us. How many know that uh, that's going to be a little more intense? (laughs) I was talking to Chad the other day, I said, it's kind of like uh, you put on a pair of dark pants in the house, and you look fine, and you look good, and then you go outside in the sunlight, and you got lint and everything else all over your pants, you know, so the light is greater, it's going to reveal more things. So, in Psalm 139, verse 24, in the message, it says, Investigate my life, O oh God. Find out, about, find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. So it sounds like you're on the witness stand. <laughs> Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. So you see, God's purpose in examining us and testing us and, and getting us to see where we really stand spiritually is not to exclude us, but it's to include us into the greatest move of God that's ever going to happen on this planet. I know Brother Sumrall, he had a heart to be wherever the fire was at. Whether it was a 20-year-old preacher or a 70-year-old preacher, he wanted to be right in the middle of where God was moving. And that's the way I feel. I just want to be, and I think God really has a time and place in this, in this body. We've had so many prophecies that we're going to be a region-affecting church, but we're not going to get there by doing things in, in here out of obligation. We're going to get there by having a love and a compassion for God and a love and a compassion for people who know nothing about him, for people who are going to hell. We don't, we don't talk about hell much. You know, we can sit around as Christians and rejoice that we're, we're saved and then we're going to heaven and we've got the Holy Ghost and we've got the gifts of the Spirit. But what about those you walk and rub shoulders with every single day who are going to hell? Does that move us? Does that bother us at all that, that these people need Jesus Christ and we've been, well, in cases I've been unwilling to share the gospel with them. And it's, and it's just so simple. I, I told a story one time about a, a lady at, at my work. I worked at the post office. I worked there 37 years. I never went postal once. <laughs> I wanted to, <laughs> but I didn't. But one lady, we were just at break, and she said, there's something different about you and that was my perfect opportunity to say it's not about me it's about what God's done in my life and i kept my mouth shut and to this day that bothers me so i pray that God'll send someone across her path that will, will tell her what the truth was about that you know and we we could probably all say we've had situations like that but you know i hope you hear my heart this is not about condemning us of where we're at it's about letting God look at us and and go to the depths of our being and see what is our motivation. Why are we doing what we're doing? And so um, I got some questions here. Uh, Back in 2000, I think it was 2007 in June, the Lord woke me up. It was, I looked at the clock. It was 2.15 a.m. And uh, when I wake up you know, we're just wide awake like that. I know the Lord wants to say something to me. So I usually lay there for a minute or two and I'll, you know, want to know if the Lord just wants me to pray about someone or something or if He wants to get up and, and talk to me. And so this morning He said, I want you to get up and get you a piece of paper and a pencil and I want you to write these things down. I had been meditating on this thing about examining myself and, you know, where am I at really spiritually, honestly? And so the Lord told me to write down these questions. And so I've used this as kind of a guideline over the years to help me take, assess where I'm at, you know, reassess where I'm at, and reassess where I'm at again. And, you know, It's been an ongoing thing. So I'm going to share some of these questions with you. I hope you can write some of these down, because I'm quite sure you're not going to get the answers this morning <laughs> of where you're at. But it's something to meditate on, something to think about, and, and really take stock of where, where we're at, what we're doing, and where we're going. So the first question, um, the Lord says, do you have a true sense of your spiritual condition, or can you be deceived? You know, the whole nature of deception is that you don't know you're deceived. <laughs> that, that's the whole nature of it. And, you know, the, Satan is called the great deceiver. So do I really have a true sense of my own spiritual condition, or could I be deceived about how good I'm doing? I mean, I come to church every time the doors are open. I read my Bible. I pray. I worship. But sometimes it just seems like I'm not still not operating on all cylinders. So I have to examine myself and see, and you know, am I really where I think that I am, or I'm, I'm just deceived and, and don't don't really have a sense of my true condition. And the second question was, have have you developed a casual attitude toward the things of God? You know, I, I was here in ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. We had that. That revival that hit us, and the spirit of God was moving and, and every single service I was excited to get here. every single service is like man what 's God going to do today?" every single service i 'm like, man, I, I just want to see God move in the hearts of his people and, and people were up on the platform, giving their testimonies about God. you know people who were very quiet and very reserved before were up on the platform testifying about how how great God had had moved in their lives, and I have to ask myself. Do I come hungry now for God to move in the lives of the people in this service? Do I come hungry, you know, expecting God to do something extraordinary in the lives of people? Do I come expecting people to get saved, to get healed, to get delivered? Or am I just zipping up my Bible, getting in my car, driving the one minute to church and sitting in a pew or a chair? Am I doing the mannequin challenge? <laughs> you just sit there. Now, you know, there's a Bible presence for that. It's called uh, uh, a (laughs) trance. But I'm quite sure most people are not doing that. (laughs) But, you know, I have to examine myself. Am I really coming with any kind of expectation at all for God to do something? Are we just singing the same songs, the same people come forward, raising their hands? It's the same expressions on people's face every week. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for some change. We need some new life. We need some new breath. There's a new breath of the Spirit that's going to blow through this place and shake off the cobwebs. We need to shake off the cobwebs. <laughs> Katie's getting ready to get a new house, and uh, I already told her, don't be calling me if you got spiders over there in the cobwebs because you're going to, have to learn how to take care of that yourself. And you know what? We need to learn to shake off our own cobwebs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, David said he, he encouraged himself in the Lord, yeah. and we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. You. you know, I think I mentioned this before. Has my hunger for the things of God ever been stronger now than now? If so, I'm backslidden. It's okay to be honest on Sunday morning. If you've ever been more hungry for God and the things of God and for the move of God than you've ever been now, than you are now, then you've backslidden. Uh, there's a man named Duncan Campbell. And uh, back in the 40s, he went to the, they call it the Hebrides Islands. It was a, a group of islands off the coast of Scotland. And God just came down in that, in that meeting, and the whole island got saved. People were, I mean, every, I mean, the fire of God just fell. And people, I mean, people would show up for services at midnight, but service they didn't even call. People would just show up at church because they were hungry for God. And just to throw in a side point, not to get political, but um, Donald Trump's grandmother got saved in that revival. So there's some spiritual generics there somewhere. (laughs) Please show up. (laughs) 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 You know, (laughs) and uh, Duncan Campbell said, your sense of need is the very ground on which God can work. Real hunger, I like this, real hunger creates a capacity for God. The reason we're not filled is simply that we're not hungry enough. Now, I'm assuming after we, I get done talking here, everybody's going to get something to eat because you're hungry. And so, with God, how much are you willing to invest? How much time are you willing to spend? Because you got a real hunger to know Him and to know Him personally. And it's not just for our own good. It's not just for our own benefit. See, the love of God is supposed to be shed abroad in our hearts. And so we can't we can't do things out of our own love, you know, our own hum, human capacity for love. To love the unlovable, To, to like Pastor uh, Jacob and Pastor Jessica over ministering to the homeless in Louisville. That's the love of God. People need to see the love of God. My gosh, Lord knows we've seen enough of this stuff of preachers just getting on TV and being critical of everybody and condemning everybody. They They don't... They know that. They already know they're condemned. The devil's told them. They don't need that. They need to know that the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts so that you can come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and that you can experience a relationship with him unlike anything you will ever do on a human nature. So do we have a real hunger for God? Smith Wigglesworth said, The secret of spiritual success is a hunger that persists. It's an awful condition to be satisfied with one's spiritual attainments. You know, I mentioned 95, 96, 97. That was great. That was a great spiritual attainment. But are you satisfied with what happened back then? There's greater things coming in the future for us if we have a hunger for God. He said God was and is looking for hungry and thirsty people. And he said spiritual hunger is when nothing satisfies us as much as being near God. See, I mean, we're getting ready to go into Christmas season. We just got done with Thanksgiving. Pastor Mooney said he experienced a miracle. His uh, pants shrunk. (laughs) 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 Pastor Mooney, you got to love him. (laughs) And Smith Wigglesworth said, I'd rather have a man on my platform who has... Listen to this. This is Smith Wigglesworth, somebody who put great emphasis on being filled with the Spirit. But he said, I'd rather have a man on my platform who is not Spirit-filled but hungry than a person who's Spirit-filled and satisfied. Yes. Satisfaction is the enemy of hunger. See, we, Pastor Jordan talked about this a while back too. We need to learn how to be satisfied and to be hungry at the same time it's not something it's either or you can do both at the same time you could be satisfied and thankful for what God's done in your life you could be satisfied and thankful for the miracles and and the times he's he's restored your health to you and the the prosperity that he's brought to you you could be satisfied with that you can be filled with that but you got to be hungry for more we got to be hungry to see these uh, seats filled not so we can have a big church but So more people can get into the kingdom of God and more people can be saved and go to heaven. That, that's the motivation. It's not, you know, Pastor Jordan talked about that the other week too. It's not a matter of just filling up seats. Every seat that's filled up with somebody who's gotten saved is a representative that the kingdom of God is coming to their lives and that they're going to heaven with us. Uh, number, I've got number four, is worship and intimate time with God or is it just another religious exercise? You know, are over in uh, Romans 11, the word says, I long to see you that I might impart something to you. And so impartations, uh, Dr. Jacobs has talked about how impartations can come through private conversations. So in worship time, is there an intimate conversation going on with God? Are there and see, I struggle with this as a young Christian. I thought, like, why does God want us to worship him? Does he have some kind of big ego that he needs us to worship him all the time but then i i I thought about that verse that uh, in one romans 111 about he wants to impart things to us and what happens is you become like what you worship so he's trying to impart his nature to us even through worship as we worship him and glorify him the word says to magnify the lord to magnify means to make him bigger you need to magnify the Lord and make him bigger than your circumstances. You need to make magnify the Lord and make him bigger than your finances. You need to magnify the Lord and make him bigger than any family problems you might be facing. You need to magnify the Lord and let him show you what moves you might need to make, what adjustments you might need to make, so that, that you can walk more fully into the, the perfect will of God. We need to magnify the Lord. Is your time of worship a time of... Intimacy, or is it just another thing you check off on your boxes? Here's another one: Are you getting fresh revelation from the Word? When's the last time something jumped out of the Bible at you and made a difference in your life? You know, are you just uh, reading your chapters for the day, and you, you know you'll get through your Bible in 365 days, and God help you as you try to get through Who Begat Who? You know, <laughs> but it's got to become more real to us than that. This word is a living word. It's a powerful word. It produces life. So as you're, as you're in the word, are you getting any new fresh revelation from God during these times? These are all things we just can examine ourselves to see whether we've lost our first love. Have we forgotten what, what it used to be like? And then uh, number six is, is the power of God evident in my life? Have you ever prayed for somebody and they've gotten healed? Have you, when's the last time you led somebody to the Lord? When's the last time you just encouraged somebody, you know, uh, I think it's in Isaiah that talks about the, the Lord will give you a word in season, you know. When's the last time any of that's happened in your life? And it's not happening. Why isn't it happening? That's not some supernatural, super-duper Christian that's supposed to be doing that stuff. That's supposed to be the normal, natural Christian life. Well, I say natural, you know. We talk about things that are supernatural with God, but really everything we think of as supernatural is really just natural with him. <laughs> so you know, when, where's that power in my life? I have to ask myself that. And, and trust me, I've asked me myself these questions many times. So I'm not just laying it out on you guys. I have to examine myself all the time. Um, another one is, am I am I hearing the voice of God clearly? You know, I'm convinced that it's not a matter of. I think people have faith. I think if they hear God clearly, that they're willing to step out and do what they're supposed to do. I think the the thing that holds them back is maybe that they're they're not sure. Okay, is this God telling me to do that? Is this God not you know, but as you get into intimacy with God, you'll know his voice better. It'll sharpen your spirit and you'll know him, you'll you'll know his voice and you'll be able to separate his voice. I know I talked about before, I think one time I preached about uh, about the voices. You know, the Bible says there's many voices and um you've got to learn to discern the voices that are coming to you. You're either going to hear the devil, you're either going to hear yourself, or you're going to hear God. And one of the things that the, the Lord showed me a long time ago that really helped me to discern those voices was, uh, have you ever had the, the thought that, boy, you really messed that up? You know, you've done something wrong or whatever, and that thought comes to your mind, you really messed that up? Well, let me ask you something. If that was your own thought, wouldn't you say, I messed that up? It's so good, yeah. it's really good. Yeah, you would say, well, I messed that. up If you were talking to yourself, but the voice says, you really messed up. Yeah. So that's the accuser, that's the devil. So that's one of the things that really helped me in my life is, you know, I'm bad enough accusing myself, but I don't need extra help. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and we all have to overcome that, you know. <laughs> Just like when I got the call to do this message, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, but the Lord straightened me out. You're an able minister of the gospel. Right. And so that's what I'm standing on. Amen. Y'all can do the mannequin challenge all you want. <laughs> um, let's see. Here's another one. Do I obey the promptings of the Holy Ghost? You know, as you walk through your daily life, how much are you in your natural mind or are you paying attention to down in your spirit and what God might, might be telling you to do? You know, we had a, a, a thing a few weeks ago and Pastor Lauren was doing a, a prayer line and Brother Bob's sitting back here, he's a sweet man. He was up here and he stood up here and, and the Lord said to me, He he's trying to get in touch with Jesus. And I really hesitated because this was Pastor Lauren's prayer line and I you know I didn't want to interfere with that, I didn't want to grieve anything or whatever. But I just couldn't get out of that, get that out of my spirit. So, I said, so I I walked up here. I said, I said uh, I didn't know his name. I said, uh, you know, can I pray with you about something? And he says, Well, I'm trying to find Jesus. Come on. And he found Jesus standing right there. And we took him back after the service. And I hope you don't mind me talking about you, brother Bob. <laughs> took him back into the usher's room and talked to him a little bit afterwards and with tears in his eyes he said something happened to me see what can happen if we hear the voice of the Holy Ghost if we follow not only hear it but follow it and I I must admit I I struggled I stood there for a couple minutes because I didn't want to I didn't want to do anything out of order but it was just so strong in me that I thought I'll apologize later (laughs) so you know but you know you got to hear the voice of the holy ghost and, and and that a lot of that comes by praying in tongues a lot of that comes by worship that you sharpen your spirit to where you can hear when when he he speaks to you about doing something and then uh, the next one is um do we pray about the perfect will of God for our lives when's the last time you 've actually prayed about the perfect will of God for your life? We just go along in our little ruts and do the things we do and they're not bad things. They're good things. We're helping the church. We're vacuuming the floors. We're uh, mowing the yard, church yard, whatever. The, it's, not, it's not that they're bad things, but they are, are they the right things? Are you in the right slot where God wants you to be? You know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And it's just a reasonable service. And it says, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. I call that the gap, the good, acceptable, and perfect. Where are you at in the gap? Are you just in the good will of God? You know, you're doing your thing. Are you in the acceptable will of God or are you in the perfect will of God? Where are you at in the gap? And so as we, as we seek God as we search God for God and we become more intimate with him and spend more time with him in prayer and, and worship, we can, we can find exactly where we belong. And in that, in that perfect will of God, in that aisle right there in the perfect will of God, that's where the power of God is yeah. that we can show to others. Yes. And then um, another one is, am I living my life in view of eternity you know, this is a very short period of time that we have here compared to eternity. Do we give a thought about the fact that the people who are not going to heaven, you know, William Booth, uh, he was the founder of the Salvation Army, and he made the comment, he says, if we realized what was at stake, if we realized, he, I think he had a vision of hell, if we realized what how horrible that is, complete separation of God from God no hope if we realized the, how horrible that was we would cr- crawl across glass to get one person saved and you know I. <clears throat> we just got to have some compassion for people there's people out there that are blind the God of this world is blind with the eyes of those that believe not They don't have any indication of who God is. They don't have any indication of what's available to them. They've been blinded and they're blindly walking with the masses on a road to hell. And you know, we've got to start viewing life in terms of eternity. You know, whether it's our pride, whether it's our we feel unable to really talk to somebody about the Lord, then learn. What was it? What was it God told Dr. Jacobs about writing a book? He said, I don't know how to write a book. God said, We'll learn. If you don't know how to talk to somebody or witness and 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 show them the love of God and show them the plan of salvation, take some time and learn. It's not that difficult. You know, we don't have to know all seven gifts of the Holy Spirit and all the, you know, all the stuff we've been taught here. It's good stuff. It's stuff to build us up. But when you're out there talking about to somebody that's unsaved, you just got to know the simple gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus that that Jesus came and died for for our sins and that. If you'll receive him, see, there's a, over in a John, I think it's John 15 or 16, and Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll convict. Let me let me uh, turn to that so I can read that right. People are, I know, <laughs> the church I used to go to, they'd say, well, you know, you got to confess all your sins. I didn't even remember all my sins. <laughs> there was no way I was going to remember all my sins. <laughs> But one day the Lord showed me this, and uh, i probably told this story before, but I was, uh, we were going knocking door to door, and I was down here on Cherry Street in New Albany, and uh, it looked like a drug house. Every, all the windows were boarded up and couldn't see inside. And two kids come out, two young kids come out, and so I started talking to them, and then two other people came out, and before I was over with, I think I probably had eight or ten kids there in front of me with the opportunity to tell them about Jesus and this one little girl, she said, I, can't, I want to become a Christian, but I can't become a Christian because I'm a lesbian. And, you know, that just broke my heart. <laughs> you know, she had a desire for God, but she says, I, I, I can't become a Christian because I'm a lesbian. And so I showed her this verse in John 16 in the Amplified. Starting in verse 8, it says, uh, Jesus is telling us about the Holy Spirit coming. It says, when he comes, he will convict And convince the world and bring demonstration to it about sin and righteousness. Uprightness of heart, right standing with God, and about judgment. Now look at verse 9 in the Amplified. It says, about sin, because they do not believe in me. That's the sin. It's not homosexuality. It's not smoking. I told you I used to witness to people and I didn't have much wisdom about it. This one guy was smoking. I said, well... Smoke them won't send you to hell, but it sure will smell like you've been there. (laughs) That went over real big. (laughs) I don't think he got saved. (laughs) So, but but look at that. The sin is not believing in Jesus. You know, Jesus don't ask you to come all fixed up and all straightened out before you come to church. You know, it's a process. We've been to church for, I've been in this church almost 25 years. I'm still in the process, you know, but... But when we're out on the street, or when you're talking to people, you know that's what they're going to say to you. They're going to say, "Well, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm I'm hooked on pornography, or I do drugs, or whatever it might be." But that's not the sin that's going to send you to hell. The sin that's going to send you to hell is not believing in Jesus, and it's just that simple. We don't have to have a college, a Bible college education, which many of us actually do have, but you don't have to have that to explain. And, and your own personal testimony, your own personal testimony of what God's brought you out of and what God's brought you into. We just heard some of Brother Lesa's testimony going without air conditioner. God bless you, brother. I'm, I'm pretty hot-blooded. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Helen called me a mobile furnace. <laughs> but anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> so anyway, you know, do we have, are we living life in view of eternity? Do we, the things that really do matter are things of eternity. I read a poem a long time ago It says only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. So, you know, we can build our homes and, you know, I like nice homes and there's nothing wrong with prosperity and we can can have the nice cars and we can have the nice families. But what about when we get to heaven and will Jesus say, well done, now good and faithful servant. Did you really do what we're called to do? And so um, I think I just got one or two more questions here. I'm sure you are writing all these down. Here's a, here's a big one. How's my love walk? Oh, I hit somebody. <laughs> How, how's your love walk? Are you l- walking in love with each other? Are you, are you walking in love with those people uh, out in the world that irritated you at Thanksgiving time? <laughs> Are you willing to forgive those people? You know, because it, we we got to... That's the thing that's going to differentiate us between the rest of the world is how we walk with each other and how we walk in love. Right. And let me throw this in. I'm, I'm not even sure this is my place to do this, but it just came up in my spirit. You know, there's been a lot of changes in our church this past year. Yes. Are you still walking in love with leadership? Are you still walking in love? Listen, it, it's, it's just this simple. I love when God simplifies things for me. It's not our responsibility to figure out where we should go. It's just our responsibility to follow. It's just that simple. It's no different than when Dr. Jacobs was over the church. We, You know, nobody second-guessed his, you know, his leadings. He was a strong leader. Nobody second-guessed that. How's your love toward leadership? Has, has it stayed the same or... You may be slipping into some um, things. Maybe you shouldn't. Ways of thinking. Maybe you shouldn't think. That's all free. It wasn't in my notes. I ain't taking it back. <laughs> so, uh, here's a quote by Heidi Baker. I don't know if you all are familiar with her, but she's a. I just love her. She just loves God and goes out and loves people and miracles happen. Uh, she's over in Africa. I think she's founded like I don't know eight or ten thousand churches. She goes out in these villages where nobody's ever heard anything about Jesus, knows nothing about Jesus, and just loves on them. And, I mean, witch doctors are getting saved. It's it's just crazy. I just love that kind of stuff. But Heidi Baker says, It's when you become immersed in the love of God that you can truly begin to love like Jesus. He wants to immerse you. He wants to hold you. He wants to take you to a place where you are so far over your head in the river of God that miracles can happen all around you. How'd you like to be wow. so far in over your head? <laughs> you ever notice when you're in over your head you got no control? <laughs> and that's I think that's that's where some of us really mess up sometimes. We we want to control this little part of our lives, or we want to control, you know, where we work, we want to control where we go to church. You know, find the perfect will of God for your life because that's where the power is. And uh, just to close up, you know, as you think about these things and God shows us our, our true. Spiritual condition. How how do we return to our first love? Well, we're we're a word of faith church, aren't we? Yeah. So we get what we say, don't we? So you 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 start getting back to your first love by loving on Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I'm hungry for you. You're gonna have what you say, aren't you? Yes. Right. Okay. So so I know these questions. Uh, it's not a hip okay. hip hooray sermon, really but it's something I think sometimes we just need to take time out and really analyze ourselves, see where we're at. And, and like I said, we could be deceived about, you know, how good we're doing. Let's just be honest about that. So we can examine ourselves, but also be open to God and the Holy Spirit examining your heart and showing you where you need to be, what you need to be doing, and doing it out of love. That's the, that's the, Jesus said, that's the commandment I give you, is to love. So as we operate out of love, you'll find out maybe some of the weariness you've been experiencing, maybe that will dissipate. As you operate out of love and compassion, things will get, your, your spirit will grow stronger. Your physical flesh will get stronger because, you know, I don't ever fall asleep during a football game. Although I wish I had yesterday. But, <laughs> but you know, things you're excited about, things you're compassionate about, you know, it's, strength is not a problem. People that go hunting, they have no problem sitting up in a tree stand for hours and hours and watch the squirrels run by and run the deers off. <laughs> you know, people who are uh, passionate about uh, fishing, they don't have any problems getting up early in the morning and killing a few worms, putting them on a hook and, and hoping something will bite, you know. And they'll sit out there for hours, for hours, and just wait for their little bobber to go down in the water, you know. So I hope you hear my heart this morning. It's not about, I I want to get us, if we've fallen into the uh, trap of doing things out of obligation, I want us to move from that to doing things out of compassion and love. So, not too bad since I only had about 12 hours to do this, (laughs) in my humble opinion. (laughs) That that was a real quick turnaround, (laughs) but... Well, I hope you all have been blessed this morning. Let's pray, Father. We are just so thankful for the love, Your love, that's been demonstrated to us. And and as we go into this new season of this church, I pray that we might demonstrate that love to others. That we will be moved out of hearts of compassion. That we will be energized by the love that we're pour- that's pouring out of us for the sake of others. I pray that you'd bless the people as we leave today and and uh, give them a safe journey home. I release your angels to keep them from all injury, harm, and destruction. And we thank you that we walk in victory and that we have the victory that overcomes the world. In Jesus' name, amen.